Short intro. That was. Get it cut down. Yeah. Yeah, it's home life podcast. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean. I did like the longer one, but I understand most people are like, we don't want to listen to a 90s sitcom before this, to, you know, before tuning in. even then, I think that was one frustration even in the 90s, that it was like your the the intro was just as long as what the whole program was so when you added in fact it adds in and everything like that yeah yeah, yeah. thankfully we've only got the one ad and that's you know maybe 60 seconds out of a 40 minute podcast so yeah. that's that's a good deal all right so today we're going to be talking about buying a house and i know yes. you know who'd have thought that buying a house would be part of this show Eh, um, well, you know, uh, you know, pretty much given, but it's what we're going to be looking at is the different things that you need to take into consideration, uh, the different things that you could be potentially told by an agent, how to be mentally prepared for that, because we do talk about when it comes to buying a property that there is an emotional thing that goes on too Mm -hmm. when it comes to going this is the house that I want so sort of we're teaching we're going to be teaching giving hints however you want to say it as to you know we just I I guess we're going to be looking at the considerations yeah what you you need to factor in when you go yeah what what should you be thinking about what we should be aware of um and that's and look it comes from you know what I think I'm 15 years in the real estate industry now. Mm. Um, I've spent my time as an agent. I've bought property. I've sold property. Um, I've On all sides, I've been a buyer. I've been a seller. I've been an agent, mm. right? I've, I've, so I've been involved across the board there. And then, of course, being involved in the industry from a technology standpoint, yeah. uh, where obviously we look after the negotiation of properties through market buy. Um, and, you know, we see how that plays out every single day. In fact, I, I watched a brilliant sale uh, roll out where two buyers just fought out for it on market by last night for a good 40 minutes past the closing time of the sale, yeah. um, just going $500 increments. So I, I see a lot of that sort of thing. But of course, on the flip side, we check my house price. You know, we also see the the demand for knowledge, the demand for information. People are, are getting those free house price reports so they know what their property's worth I on the flip side where they're selling. I did actually have a conversation with, well, a very brief conversation <laughs> with a commenter on one of our uh, Facebook ads and it was just, you know, there needs to be more transparency. And, you know, then we have a friend who is first time she has actually, you know, going into buying a property by yeah. herself. Yeah. So, you know, she... Mad props too. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, she, she's younger. She is, you know, deciding to, you know, this is what I want to do. And so then, you know, she she... Is worldly, but then there's still things that it's like. Well, if, if you haven't if you haven't done this before and you're not involved in the industry, it's quite daunting. Oh, and and look, I've, I've, I'm part I've been of the there, industry, right? and I've been part of the discussion um, where I'm like, oh, I wasn't aware. Yeah, and and look, there's there's a lot of things when it comes to buying a house, just like when it comes to selling a house, that are daunting, no matter how many times you've done it too. Yeah, uh, because no no buying and selling experience is ever the same. No. So you feel a bit more confident the more times you do it, but there's always going to 
be a different thing, a different curveball, something else, you know, and there's a lot of changes that are happening across our industry as a whole, which is, is a wonderful thing because the changes are in the right direction. We're seeing more transparency. We're seeing legislation pushing for greater transparency as well. Yeah. Uh, I know that Queensland in particular have got their uh, the Property Act 2023, which is a, a massive update to it. I'm in the process of reading through it. But one of the big things about it is the seller disclosure obligations. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are changing for the better and kind of leveling the playing field yeah. uh, in the sense of buyers and sellers. Yeah. The underlying forces remain the same, supply and demand. Yeah. You know, where, where there's not enough supply and there's greater demand, price is going to go up. Yeah. When there's an oversupply, when there's too much supply and there's not enough demand, prices will go down. Yeah. Basic economics come into play. Um, it's... There's there's no one real player that can influence that buy that that sorry supply and demand other than the government really, yeah. um, like everyone can play a little part but sometimes we see the comments of conspiracy theories such and such are driving up price. <laughs> No, no, they're not because they don't have that kind of power in the market. But coming coming back to the topic, it's there are so many things there I think that people don't know mm. or forget across multiple experiences. And I think that it's a, a really valuable episode for us to go in and dive in and, and cover off a whole lot of different considerations, talk about how things can play out and help people with that uh you know in in their buying journey and it's it's a tough market in many places around the country to buy in because of that supply and demand problem the, too the so i'm i'm just reading through the the run sheet mm. and there's two things that i have found if you are new to this when it comes to purchasing a property or and if you're new to the podcast welcome it, yeah welcome 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 to the first time <laughs> um, picked a good but, episode to start with there's some good ones back there too there's jump also, back in the catalog. um there's also the not just now you've thrown me off. So, <laughs> so but don't worry, we'll bus get there. Bus driver, bus driver. Oh no, wait for this. So when it comes to being overwhelmed, where you're a new person to buying mm-hmm. or selling, mm-hmm. you may have bought and now it, it's selling. The one thing that I do know is when people go legislation and clauses, everyone sort of puckers a bit. Yeah, look, absolutely. <laughs> where I mean, it's just like, oh, that means that I have to be a, a really real adult. Like, um, yeah, because no one, no one reads their phone contracts or anything like that. Well, I think you know, I, for, for mobile phones, there's things that you or need. Or the terms and conditions on software you or need Netflix to really, really understand not only your local market but mm. the local market that you're buying into. Because let's face it, you could be investing in an area where you're you don't currently live. Yeah. Um, so, and then also understanding the clauses because like we have found out since going on this journey with our friend who's buying property, there was one that you said that I was like, yeah, right. So in Tasmania, that's where she's purchasing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in Tasmania, they don't have a cooling off period. No, there's no no cooling off. Tasmania. So it's, it's really interesting because as we started to dive into this journey, we're based in Queensland. Um, I've sold property in Queensland. Like most of my residential real estate experience Mm. is Queensland, except for where our companies have serviced multiple states and I've needed to be up to to speed with legislation. But my experience in the other states around Australia is it's, it's secondary in the sense that limited. Well, no, no, it's not, it's not that it's limited because I have a, a a huge vault of really good operators that I can tap into and I can talk to, but it's secondary. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm gaining knowledge through learning from their experience, yes, right? Yeah. It's, it's not firsthand. 
Um, and so I started to, to dive down and look at disclosure laws and things like that. And I reached out to, to a conveyancer, um, you know, I think it own it conveyancing, um, Ben from, from own it conveyancing, had a chat with him about Queensland, making sure I was, I was up to speed and remembered the, the Queensland conveyancing laws, checked other States, had a chat with our mate, Sam Dolby down in New South Wales from Langan Simmons. Um, you know, and it's in Tassie, you're right. There's no cooling off period and there's actually no seller disclosure requirement. So I'm going to take a step back because I'm going to be the person where it's like, hold on, you, you've just thrown out these words. So mm. I go in and you're the real estate agent and I go, I really like this property. Um, here's my offer. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about here when it comes to cooling off period. So you go, yep, not a problem. Agent, you take it to the owner. The owner goes, yep, we'll accept it. And then I go, wait a minute. Actually, after me putting in the offer, I went and had a look at another property and I feel that that's better suited for Look, me. You've, you've changed your mind essentially. For whatever reason, you've changed your mind. Exactly. Each state barring Tasmania, yep. and I must admit, I have no idea about the Northern Territory, but all of this information can be found with a really quick Google. Google yep. is your best friend. They used to be like 15 years ago when I started out as a real estate agent, real estate agents were the custodians of all of this information. Yep. There is so much information Google readily on, is an amazing online thing. now. And, and now we're adding AI to that level. But of course, we've got to double check AI's work because it hallucinates every now and yep. again as we've talked in other Come episodes. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming back. But most states have a cooling off period. Yeah. Right? Check for your local state when it is. But what that essentially means is that within the legislation around that cooling off period, for a reason that is is accounted for within that cooling off period, you can terminate the contract without penalty. Yeah. Okay. Um, once that cooling off period is is done and dusted, yeah, then no, that's a different situation. That's a different story. Now you have to have a the contract fail like one of the conditions of the contract in order to terminate. Yeah. Right. But in that cooling off period, typically speaking, you can go. You know what? Maybe not. I'm out. I, yep. I want out of this. I'm I'm done. Because um, it could be. Oh, look! I'm you know got a promotion, so I, it's pointless it could me be, buying here. So yeah, I'm it, going. Exactly. It, it like anything like that could happen. Just make sure you check and you read up on your state's cooling off yep. period and what the conditions around that cooling off period are. What things yep. are acceptable on that. So. Look, I'd, I'd love to give you a rundown of every single state. I don't think it would make riveting well, listening because uh, let's be honest, the legislation's always written in boring language. I think it's just more the fact language, that we're bringing this to people's attention. Yeah, and make sure you go and, and you can just Google, you know, for example, if you're in South Australia, what is the cooling off period in South Australia? Yeah. Right? What are the conditions on cooling off periods in South Australia? And, yeah. you know, go real estate, property, add yeah. those keywords. I think to it's it. just more of the fact that we need to bring people's attention to this situation, like not specifically this situation, but also understanding that, hey, I didn't realize that this was actually a thing. I didn't, because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you don't, look, you don't know what you so don't know. Typically, this is the reason why we're talking though, about this stuff. Typically, um, though, when you do make an, like a formal offer, which is in writing, yeah. right? So avoid verbal offers because a verbal offer is not real. Yeah. And and the this is this is the standing status quo. Yeah, no, quote. we're not we're not uh, talking. You know, we're talking about that you're putting when, in an yeah. offer that you want them to when, take. When it. you put it in writing, but if you put it actually on a contract, right? So in different states, like you'll often, or in Queensland at least, you'll put the offer on a contract as a formal mm. offer, um, and then if the seller accepts that, they'll typically sign that contract, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of if you're using like Queensland Law Society or you know certain designated contracts and, and templates, mm. they will have a lot of the information that is, hey, you've got this right, you've got this right, you've got this right, and so mm. forth. Um, I know in New South Wales, they have the solicitors prepare contracts. Uh, in fact, Sam regularly goes, he goes, I can't believe you guys prepare your own contracts in Queensland. And I laugh, I go, well, 
we've got templates. He's like, yeah, but still, like, he's, <laughs> he's like, really? Yeah. You, you guys, you guys are doing that yourself. Um, but you know, each state's got its own eccentricities. Mm. Ask about cooling off periods. Google cooling off periods. Google your rights as a buyer and a seller. Yeah. Right. To a, you and your contractual rights in real estate and yeah. that as well. Um, there are a hundred different law firms out there who will literally leverage Google rankings with this information because it's a marketing tactic that is demonstrating their authority and expertise, right? Bring it back. No, no, it's, it's important. Like, so you're going to be able to find this information. Yeah. And you're going to be able to find this information because this is kind of like their, their, their marketing going, hey, we actually know what we're talking about. So this information is out there. You can find it. Absolutely Google it. Make sure you understand your rights before you even make an offer. Okay. So essentially what we're saying here is if you're going to make an offer, make sure it is ticking all the right boxes mm-hmm. and make sure that you understand what your state, wherever you are, that you understand your, your state requirements, cooling off, cooling period, off period, just be just in case you go and do a, a walkthrough and you're like, this is awesome. This is fantastic. Love it. There's a lot of interest in it. <laughs> we'll talk we'll about go that into that one. There's a lot of interest. Um, so you're like, okay, well, we were one of 10 groups that had gone through. We don't want to miss out. Mm. And you've already seen that, you know, three three of those groups were already standing there waiting for the agent to go, here's the QR code in order to get your details in order to submit your, your offer. offers. That's, that's assuming they and, use Markiplier, which let's be honest, every agent should be using Markiplier. And so anyway, everyone leaves and... Shameless plug. You you go and you have a look at another property and you're like, you know what? Actually, yeah. I've I, I that one was good, but this one's so much better. This one's definitely more suited. Want to put in an offer, but if both of those offers come back and like... Bill, you've got property. You can withdraw an offer. You can withdraw an offer. So if you make that offer and then you go find another property, you're like, you know what? We don't want that other house. We want this one. You can immediately withdraw an offer via text, email, or otherwise. Yes, but at the same time, what I'm saying here is it's not so much like the rental property where you can just go, I'm just going to put all of my feelers out until someone comes out and says yes that you've got a property. Yeah, once 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 a seller says yes, you've got typically you're going to have a contract if that offer is made in that fashion. It's a little bit different. Yeah, if you've got all of these people going yes to your offers and you're only going to pick one place yeah and that's and that's where it's important to understand calling off periods but also you don't want to be putting in offers on multiple properties like that uh because real estate agents talk and if you're constantly putting offers in properties and then withdrawing and withdrawing within cooling off they'll periods, be very hesitant about the, putting you forward. your offer's not a strong offer once once they know that's again because there's and we've seen it right we've seen it there are certain cultural groups that do this because mm. it's it's what it's, it's a fantastic negotiation tactic from their point of view. Yeah. Um, and they'll go and they'll make an offer on multiple properties in a state with a cooling off period. And they will then bail on all bar one of those properties, mm. right? So whichever one they get the best deal on, they'll then choose that. That's assuming you're not in a hot market. Because if you're yeah. in a hot market, right, and, and the agent knows that you've done this yeah. and can see this, your offer is not going to be rated as particularly high. Like It's not going to be a strong offer. So it's... It's a risky strategy. In certain markets, it works mm. and, and puts you in the box seat. In other markets, it counts against you. Mm. So it's it, you've kind of got to understand that. It's market. also a lot of paperwork. So if you don't really like paperwork. Yeah, it's it's a lot of paperwork. It's, it's a pain in the backside. But Okay, know. so the other thing that um, you know she is currently going through is getting pre-approval. Yeah. 
So she's wanting to put in an offer on a property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the it, it's literally just going through the last little leg of having her piece of paper that she can go, I've got pre-approval. Yep. She's pretty much been told that, yeah, you're good. But at the same time, it's like until you have that formal documentation until to say got, yep. it's happening, then they're like, the the bank has actually said, don't put an offer in just yet. Wait until you have the letter. Wait because, until you've got a letter saying you've got conditional because approval. Because otherwise, down in Tasmania, what can happen is she ain't got no money. <laughs> well, look, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of things um, in that. It's one of the reasons why any offer needs to have a finance clause. Mm-hmm. Okay, if your finance falls over, you can terminate that contract. Yeah. Okay, because obviously it failed that clause of the contract. Yeah. Um, and a finance clause, if you are going for finance, a finance clause is vitally important. Yeah. Um, also, if you make an offer without conditional approval, mm. it's not considered a strong offer. If you can go in and go, hey, I've got conditional approval and I'm willing. Now, don't don't tell a real estate agent what you've got conditional approval up to. Yeah. Just tell them you've got conditional approval yeah. and it covers your offer. That's it. Yeah. Right? Because a real estate, and, and always remember. Because otherwise they're going to, Well, come a on, real estate agent's job. Is to work for the seller. Is work for the seller. And, and to the get, seller wants the yeah, best. And to get the best possible outcome for the seller. Yeah. And often that means getting every last cent out of a buyer. Yeah. So every bit of information that you do give a real estate agent, and, and my real estate agent mates are going to hate me for saying this, but because they're that's what they love to, and I've done it too. I've asked the questions when I've been an agent to find out exactly how much money. I had uh, a sale, this was going back 12 years, mm. uh, a sale where the buyer had told me they had 260k to spend, this is on a townhouse, and they uh, put their first offer in at 250 right? Mm. And I looked at him and I went, oh mate, really? Like, you've got the extra 10 yeah. If you want this property, go to the extra. He said, no, no, I want to see what the seller says. I want to put it and see what the seller says. I went, okay, cool. So I presented to the seller and the seller's like, I, I could take that. I went, he's got an extra 10, yeah. right? Was I the a-hole in that scenario? No, I was doing my job. No, you were reporting the information that you I had. I was acting in the was... best interest of the seller because that was my legal obligation. Yeah. Right? And so I went back and I said, seller says, if you sign off at 260, he will sell it to you today. Yeah. Of course, he signed off at 260. Done. Mm. Right? But that's the real estate agent's job. Yep. Their job is to act in the best interest of the sellers, which often means getting every last cent out of the buyer. Yep. So don't tell the agent how much you're pre-approved to. Because yep. their, their job and is to get you to spend every last cent. I, I do need to bring this to people's attention. You're saying don't let them know about how much you are approved for, right? This is also... <laughs> A, a tactic that a buyer can use because you don't want to go and show your hand, mm-hmm. essentially. But at the same time, there is the flip side of it where when agents go, put in your best offer, right? So what I'm saying here is that the agent's going, I want to see what your best offer is before I actually go and give it to the seller. Yeah, so I mean, so that's what, is, but that's what an agent... It, 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 is, it is very much a... I suppose at it's a negotiation. Fostering it's really, a negotiation. It is negotiation, and this and this is the thing. Not everyone is comfortable with negotiation. No, absolutely not. Negotiating. How much have you had to drink today? Not Ooh, enough, clearly. Yeah. Uh, negotiating. So when it comes to these types of tactics, we're exposing you as to what what you can do as a buyer mm. and what you can do as a seller yeah. in order to try and find. 
who like where where everyone is going to be. Look, happy I, with. I think I think one of the the really cool things in that it's twenty twenty four, right? And we have so much information available to us. Is you can do your research on price in the area, and there's a number of different techniques and tactics that you can use to actually kind of find out where this property is going to potentially sell at, mm. right? Um, and there's first off, there's the engagement with the agent. Yeah. Okay. First and foremost. Oh, it's use all of the use resources everything. available to you. Actually, you know what? That's actually second. To be fair, questions to ask the agent second because before you go and start talking to the agent seriously, do some research. Mm. Like if before you've even seen the property, if you think this is a goer, go and do some research. Mm. Go and look at websites like realestate.com.au, property.com.au. Now, property.com.au has been the one I've used for our friend where I've gone and I've pulled so much information. The and other one too is Property Investment Magazine. Yes. To get the median To get the price. median, but you, in this you particular in case, actual, median, yeah. med, so when you're making an offer on a property, mm. median doesn't actually mean much. No, it, um, what I'm talking and about It can here, often be misleading. So can, what, what I'm what talking you, about. What you want to do is you want to go to realestate.com.au sold section or you want to look up the address of the property on property.com.au because this and search the suburb for similar properties that have sold in the last three months to six months on realestate.com.au. First and foremost, we'll, we'll use REA as our first step, right? And you can then go and look at the photos, look at the marketing, look at all the stats and that, and look at what's comparable. What has actually sold? Because what the asking price is, is actually irrelevant to what the value of the property is. The only thing that matters when it comes to you know valuing a property is what is similar that has actually sold. Because if it's sold... The yep. market was happy to pay that price. Yeah. No. So therefore, that's an indicator of market when value. When I'm talking about the you know medium price, what I'm doing is, again, all of the information that is available to you, you have a look at it because you're better off having a look to go, all right, I'm not saying that that's exactly what you use. What no, I'm saying I, I, I'm going to disagree with you really strongly because medium price takes into account all three-bedroom yeah. houses over a suburb sold over a given period of time. There's a, a whole formula they take into, into account right? Mm. It doesn't matter how comparable those are. So it takes into account the property that was worth 50% under market or 50% under the median and 50% over the median, right? It, it doesn't necessarily come up with a number perfectly in the middle. I've pulled two figures out of my backside. But what I'm trying to say is it takes the full range, mm. right, of those properties. That's not going to help you here because what you need to look at is you need to look at the property that you are looking and wanting to put an offer in on, Go and have a look at the properties that are similar to that that have sold because that's the market value. For starters, that's what the real estate agent has probably looked at in order to put a price on this property, mm. number one. Number two, well, when, it comes, so. when it comes to financing, it's also what the valuer is going, going to be looking at to ensure that the property is sold in or around market because value. that's actually another thing that people need to take into consideration. Absolutely, right? And, and your finance amount all plays in. So there's that aspect as well. Mm. Okay, so that comes into play. At the same time, you want to know how long has this been on the market? Yeah, that's a big one. It's a huge one because even if, let's say you're looking at a property, for argument's sake, and the property is three bed, one bath on a 600 square block, mm. And they want six hundred and fifty thousand for it. You Where go, is this? It's all right. We'll just I'm pulling numbers out of there for a safe example. It's just a very big. Block. You go and look up other properties. Yeah. Right. That have sold in the area, and you find properties that are say between a four fifty square block and an eight hundred square block, and that are built similar, built same age, all that sort of. And you start to compare. Mm. 
right? And you look, you don't get enough in three, so you look over six and you look in, you're going, hmm, these properties are sold at 589. Mm. Has the market increased by $70,000 in that time or $60,000? When you want to find out as to when they've sold. Because if they've sold only last month and that's saying, and they're going, oh, it's just literally this week listed and it's 70,000. And it's 70,000 more. What what makes that property worth 70,000 more? And is that worth 70,000 more to you? But simultaneously, this is where you go to property.com.au, right? By the way, we have no stake, no ownership in property.com.au. It's just a resource that we found and went, oh, wow, this is amazing, right? That's what you Um, use, all of the resources available to you. They don't sponsor the podcast. We have no connection to them whatsoever. It's just, it, it was an incredible resource. But it starts to show things like discounting that happens in the area mm. so in the area our friend is looking at purchasing yeah right there's a discount of minus 7.9 percent so what what that means is that they're dropping the price mm. from that list price by about 7.9 percent to get sold yeah okay so you can have a look at that and get those figures worked out to go ah so if they're asking offers over or, or they're asking six hundred and fifty thousand, mm. they're probably likely to sell somewhere between 590 to 650 somewhere yep. in that like rough rough kind of figures right so that gives you an idea now one of the things we've talked about on the podcast before we've talked about how Brett Andreessen runs two and a half week campaigns this is quite a common thing mm. in the sense that the reasoning behind it mm. across most states in Australia the attention for a new property starts to dwindle after about two and a half weeks yeah as an average right as an average so if you've got a property that's been on the market for two months either there's something wrong with it or the price is too or the price is too high Mm. okay and the longer that you stay or there's not enough interest in the market yeah if there's not enough interest in the market hey guess who's in the box seat it's Mm. not the sellers Mm. right it's the buyers so that puts you in the realm but keep in mind too unless the seller has to sell if you go in with a stupid offer, right? Say we're talking the 650 property and you go and go, oh, I'll give you 400K for it. Yeah, no. No. Like, it's just dumb. Yeah. Right? Like, I get, you might get the one desperate person out of 10,000 yeah. who turns around and says yes to that. But a lot of people there, are going to go, I might as well rent it there's out. There's something that I need to bring to people's attention when that happens. And a lot of, like, that buyer, if they turned around was like, oh, wait. Like, I did that, like, that seller went, yep. 400, there you go, off, you know, let's go, right? A couple of things. A lot of your new neighbours are going to be pissed because you've just devalued their own investment. Look, for, for 250 grand, I don't really care what they think, <laughs> just quietly. However, when you go to sell, you're also going to be selling realistically, depending on how much you put into the property, if you put anything into it at all, you're going to have it where people are going to be coming in going, oh, well, you only bought it for 400 and you only bought it six months ago and you're selling it. Like, they're going to be able to get that information because we've oh, just they'll, told they'll, them, They'll be able right? to get that information. So they'll be going, hold on, what the hell has actually happened to this property if they're, they're wanting 650 now, six months later, and they haven't done anything to it? Maybe in, a, maybe in a quiet market, in a hot market like what we're seeing in Queensland even now and that, people will ah, just compete for it. They don't uh, care. Ah, but at the same time... you got like a bargain. We, like, you, you rip somebody off. I don't care. I need a house. Like, like we have also just spoken about when it comes to the length that it actually stays on the market. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you could be going, yeah, no, I'll sell it for six fifty, right? And people come along and go, why? And I only sold like four, you know, six months ago at 400 
Like, it, it all depends on if it's a... You prop- could turn around and put it at offers over 600 and in a hot market, like what's happening in Queensland, Sydney's seeing it come back, Western Australia, Perth is definitely seeing it, Adelaide's seeing not quite that, but it's getting there, right? So if you've if you've just n- pulled off a 400000 on a 650 property and you turn around and I sell mean, it for 600 a month be later... Really pissed at the real estate agent. Yeah, well, absolutely, but, but my, my point is that... This is like this. This rarely happens. It could, it could, but what I'm it's, saying here is, it can actually backfire so, on you as no, well. No, it, it won't. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, six I'm months sorry. later, you'd still you would have capital. I, I'm sorry. Capital it's going to backfire to the tune of me picking up an extra two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand. I don't really give a. You rat's. have capital gains if you sell it. Oh no. I've just made a heap of money and have to pay the government a little bit more money than what I would previously because I made more money. Oh, I'm sorry. That's terrible. I've still got more in my pocket. There is like, if you can get a property for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, like literally, you know, two thirds of the actual value of it, there is no loss there for you. What I'm saying, and the reason I'm going, just don't do it. Like, there might be one in ten thousand, one in a hundred thousand properties that that happens where somebody just turns around and Whoops. says yes. Yeah. Right. You're just going to piss off agents, and they're like quite often they're just not even going to present your offer, right? And they're not going to take you seriously if you are a serious buyer. Yeah, you right? put in if a serious offer. If you if you're willing to make a hundred thousand offers and get one accepted, yeah, or ten thousand offers get one accepted, whatever, and they're ridiculous offers, and that's your real estate investing strategy. Go hell for leather. The payoff is huge. Right. I mean, you've got a lot of spare, hand, spare time on your hands if you're doing shit like that. But, but my point is, that's fine as a strategy. But if you are buying a house to live in yeah. and you are a genuine buyer who wants that property, mm-hmm. right? Make a serious offer. And that brings me to my next one. Because we talk about when it comes to being a seller that you want to, and for good marketing with an agent... You want them to present your property the best that they can in order to get that emotional contact from the the potential buyer when they come in. You want them to fall in love with your property because that means that they're going to be wanting it more, which means that they're going to throw more money in order to say that this property is now theirs. This is where we come in because it can't get confusing enough where we have said to our friend, look, go and do another walkthrough. Now that you've had the, the bank come back and go, look, it's... It, you need it to be conditional, go and have another walkthrough because you don't have a cooling off period within that state when it comes to offers. Yeah, go and, go and check things. So go through again, right? Even if you have been pre-approved, go through again where you're like, how bad do I want this? You know what? My be- Actually, on, on that, I'm going to jump in. First and foremost, when you do your other walkthrough, regardless of a walkthrough or not, make sure your offer is conditional on a building and pest. Oh, yeah. Right, first and foremost. Put a building and pest clause in there so you can get a good building and pest person who can go through and find any sneaky, hidden yeah. things. Skeletons in the closet, right? Yeah. Um, and also can advise you on what certain repairs will cost because you might be willing to accept that, um, but absolutely go get a building actually, and pest. Actually, there is some agents out there and sellers out there who have already done a pest inspection. Some, some will. So My advice, you, you do still, get, get your own. Yeah. Get your own so it's impartial and you can have confidence yeah. in it. I'm not saying that they're doing the dodgy. No. What I'm saying is... Often a seller will do it so that they can find what they need to work on the property and repair it to prepare it for sale. Yeah. Get yours so your building and pest guy can go and make sure those things were actually, actually fixed done. and done properly. Yeah. Right. Yep. And aren't gonna aren't short MacGyver fixes that are gonna cause problems later. Yeah. Right. So that's that's the main reason in, in my opinion. Um but coming back to the emotion of it. Yeah. Do your absolute best to not approach this with emotion. <laughs> 
And I know how hard that is. I it's know an exciting I have said, time. It's hard not go, to be emotional. Go and climb Mount Everest, right? I understand that. But be intensely pragmatic, as mm. intensely pragmatic as you possibly can be. Get excited once the contract goes unconditional, mm. right? Because then it's just a matter of giving banks and conveyances and lawyers and all that time to do the paperwork and to change money hands and do all the money mm. shit, right? That's when it's done. Once it's unconditional, it's sold. It's just giving the people behind the scenes time to transfer everything. Yeah. Don't get emotional. Don't get excited until that point. Mm. If you get emotional, if you get excited, a real estate agent is going to use that against you. Against you. Now, yeah. do not hate the agent for that. They are doing their job. That is literally the game. Mm. As marketers, our job is to make you feel something about a product and convince you it'll solve your problems. Now, yeah. and this is a really, really important understanding. The agent at their core is going to do their best to keep you thinking about how buying this property will solve your problem that yeah. is causing you angst, pain, suffering, frustration, yeah. whatever, okay? I.e., we need a house, we need a roof over our head. What your job as the buyer is to try and find out what the seller's problem is that they are trying to solve by selling. Yeah. Because if you can solve that problem, mm. you put forward a, a better, your offer is stronger because you'll structure it in a stronger way. Yeah. Okay? You'll have a stronger position because information is power. Simultaneously, in a hot market, Mm. often that problem is they just want to sell the property for as much as they possibly can. And if you're competing, it comes down to who's got the biggest pockets. Yeah. Right? If the agent's any good. So keep in mind, as a buyer in a hot market, you are negotiating from a position of weakness. Mm. Take every opportunity and every chance you can. Control your emotion yeah. as well. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a stat that's going to make me saying that sound really, really misogynist, but it's, it's not intended that way, I promise. But control your emotion. Get all the information you can. Find out what the seller's problem is. So why why are they selling? What's the, And an agent may be cagey about that, right? But ask it in different ways. Go looking the, for different reasons. The other thing too that when – so they don't have to tell you. They, they, can they just, don't. They, they can don't. just be like because they want to sell. <laughs> like yep. – or it may be they could say to you, look, they're, they're going to be downsizing, yeah. right? Um, and look, an but, agent, but agent will typically have a, pre a pre-prepared thing. But keep in mind, so... But, or they could just say, look, they're wanting to move out of the area. Like, yeah. they could tell you anything and it may not actually be the real Absolutely. reason. But there are certain reasons that an agent may let slip that give you that little bit of position yeah. in, in a negotiation. Oh, look, they've, they've decided interest rate's too high, they want to download, offload. Oh, really? So they're under financial pressure. Hmm. So have the owners rejected any offers that have been made? Now, that's a really, really important question. Yeah. If you say, what's the interest been like? The agent, yeah, it's had really, really good interest. A lot of people, I'm talking to a lot of people. Have there been any offers? Oh, there, and we saw this one. We saw, This was brilliant. The, the response from the agent, I tipped my hat to because it was brilliant. And I'll explain it in a second. The agent responded with, oh, there's no current, no current standing offers. Yeah. Right? Now. No current standing offers is a brilliant answer from an agent's perspective mm. because you are telling the truth. Yeah. You are not suggesting that There's there have rejection. ever been any offers. Yeah, or rejections. Right? You are only focusing on the current. But the way that a listener interprets that is to think, I wonder, has there been any prior offers? Yeah. Right? So it automatically creates a suggestion without actually creating a suggestion. Yeah in the mind of the listener, that, oh, I might need to make 
a higher offer than what I was yeah. initially going to because maybe there's been other offers. And this is why you lead with the question of, so have the owners rejected any offers on this property yet? Yeah. Okay. Because if you now combine the answer to that question, oh, no, they haven't, with the fact that it's now been on the market for longer than the average days on market. I think it was 68 days is how long right? it's been and, on. And the average days on market at that point was about 60. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're starting to get into that territory. If there's no offers that have been rejected... Oh, so are they considering, is there an offer they're currently considering? Oh, there's no current standing offers. The other one too to ask. Hang on, let me play this out. There's been no offers. It's been on the market longer than the average days on market. Good chance this property is overpriced according to the market. Can I even ask, are you the only agent that it's been listed with? You can find that information through a quick search, like through property.com.au and stuff like that. Have a look because that's one way of going, okay, how serious is this seller of actually selling? But not only that, like have they been getting the right type of interest? What's the first um, agent? What did they have it listed as? Mm. And what's this agent got it listed as? You can get a feel as to was it just the fact that the agent wasn't up to scratch or was it the fact that if they're around the same price and they're getting the same sort of interest where people walk through but they don't actually put in, there's no standing offers, um, (laughs) that potentially it's like maybe this seller is a little bit out of touch with what with the what market, the market is, is or they, they they want more than what the market's willing uh, to pay that's right right so moving moving on from which, that uh, hold on which means that potentially if you have gone in emotionally with this it means that you are you like, you, you might overpay you might overpay which yep. means that you actually aren't getting the best for yep. your money yep. so that's the reason why we're really Look, doing that. Don't go in there emotional. And, and please understand too, this that piece of advice, like don't go in emotional is a great piece of advice yeah. no matter the market, yeah. right? Number one. Number two, a lot of what we're talking about here is it's valid in a hot market as well as a cool market. Yeah. Right. If a property in a hot market, if a property has been on the market significantly longer than the average days on market, it's overpriced. Yeah. Because even though there's a supply and demand issue, the market's going, hey, we ain't paying that. Yeah. And they're just competing for properties that are priced lower. Yeah. Right. So, or, or there is something wrong with that. So that still applies, but we also understand, or I, I also understand that if you need a property mm. and you've been in the market for a while and it's hard slog out there because yeah. you're constantly competing, sometimes you just, you overpay to get a roof over your head. Yeah. Right. And you trust that the market's going to But I mean, at the same time. time, it's better to have this type of information it so is. that- It yeah, is. Because you know what? Sometimes, you know, we- talk of the devil um sometimes what happens is you go into into the market and you're like you know we we have the the amount of majority of let's say three bedroom houses Mm -hmm. we're in that bracket yeah so um within where we're interested in purchasing but what you also have to remember is there could be another 50 other people who are in that same bracket that are all fighting for that same thing if they start to go in and start offering ridiculous prices, that's when you sort of just go, like, this is really unfortunate and really crappy. Look, and that's and that's the situation we and find. It's, it's literally to, the symptoms it, of the housing crisis. But what what you let's let's deal with this because what you are now in is in a multi office situation. Yeah. Okay. And a multi office situation, not every state requires an agent to inform or disclose that you're in a multi office situation. 
Yeah. Okay. From a legislative point of view. Now, from an agent point of view, it's actually in their best interest to disclose that you are because that creates competition and allows them to pull leverage strings. It also does Um, give transparency as well. No, it does not. Absolutely does not under no circumstances unless they're using a product like MarketBuy. No, well, to a certain degree. If you know that there is multi-offers, then you go, right, okay. Okay, so typically without using a platform like MarketBuy where there is that transparency in there, the traditional process is there's multi-offers. You need to put forward your best and final offer. Oh, yeah, no, that crap. Yeah, Right? And then you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what the other offers are. You don't know... Like unless you're in an auction situation, you've got no idea. Yeah. And so you you've got to try and guess what this property is going to sell for and what it's valued at and what everyone else is going to offer to try and secure the property. Yeah. Right. It's it's one of the things that I, I loathe about the process mm. because in my experience working with market buy, mm. if you remove that uncertainty and that cloak and dagger BS, because that's what it is. And you allow the buyers to actually compete, even with limited transparency, where all they can see is that there are other offers. They can't see the amount of them. Mm. They can see the number of buyers and the number of offers, and that's it. Mm. They don't even know who's winning. The buyers will compete Mm. to secure the property. They will focus on, what do I have to do to secure this property? Yeah. Right? And they will pay up to the the number that they are happy to pay for that property. In a cloak and dagger situation, everybody loses. And that's what actually happened with Nathan. We, we've had Nathan on the podcast and talk about it. So we've, time and time again, I've, I've spoken to thousands of agents over the years and they all have stories if like this. If you're a new listener, he is a real estate agent that we know. Nathan and, Simon from All Properties and Group. And he missed out by $500. Missed out by 500 <laughs> right? Because it was a cloak and dagger. It was, it was, it was a... Your first and final. Yeah, best and final offer, right? So the psychology changes. And even Nathan can, Nathan was like, yeah, this is what happened to us. This is how our thinking changed. Yeah. When you go best and, and he final. he was pissed. He was pissed. <laughs> but when you go best and final and get fronted with that, a buyer's mentality changes, mm. right? And I know where this podcast is about how to buy a property, but your, your, your headspace does change when someone puts that, put your best and final. Because you now go from what do I have to do to secure this property mm. to what is the least I believe I can secure this property for. Yeah. Okay. And when that shift happens mentally, Mm. it's everybody loses. Number one, the seller doesn't get the best possible price for the property. Yeah. So the seller's left money on the table. Nathan had an extra 20 grand. Yeah. Right? Missed out by 500, but he had an extra 20 grand. Mm. The agent has reputational damage, loses potential future business, but the seller eventually finds out that there was probably more on the table in more cases than not. So they're annoyed at the agent, number one. The so buyers, the buyers who the miss agent. out, the buyers who miss out think the agent did them dirty, even though the agent was following the old process. Like that was the, the that's and what they've all been the taught. And this is the reason why we started the podcast, right? So the agents, the agents' reputation gets damaged. They could be the most absolutely ethical and above board agent, mm. but that the buyers who missed out walk away going, "That agent did me dirty. Yep. They did not give me fair and equal opportunity to secure the property." Yeah, right. And then the buyers missed out. Yeah. There's buyers who missed out and are angry and upset. Yeah. Now, buyers are going to miss out in a multi-office situation no matter what. That's just the game. Well, I mean, only but one person can actually buy the property. Only one person can buy the property or, or one group of buyers, shall we yeah. say, can buy the property. But if you create a fair and equal playing field mm. where the buyers are more informed and can openly compete yeah. for the property when they lose, and we've seen this time and time again, they All go, right. you know what? 
I couldn't go any higher. Yeah. So I, I put forward my best. I did the best I could. It was all open. The buyer actually appreciates the agent, sees the agent as being more ethical and more trustworthy because they had fair and equal opportunity. Well, yeah, they can right? see it. And they can see it. The seller got to choose what offer best suited them. It doesn't yep. even have to be the highest. They can. We had one recently where they took an where offer was that was twenty five grand under. Yeah, and then yep. they went. You know what? We this is forty grand over what we wanted. We're going to take an offer that's twenty five grand under the highest offer because we want to help an, an owner occupier out. Yeah, like, and as pay opposed it forward, to an right? investment. Um, so the seller's empowered with choice. The seller appreciates and likes the agent. The buyer appreciates and likes the agent. Goes. You know what? I missed out. That's that, it. Can you help me find another one? That's right. Right. And so these multi-office situations are fraught with stress and frustration and anxiety. Now, there's a couple of things to understand about them. Not every state requires an agent to disclose that you're in a multi-office situation. Mm. Okay. Every state, though, has some variation of legislation that talks about an agent cannot omit or lie about material facts that may impact the value of the property. Okay. Can you put that into layman's terms? Because that is very jargon. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm going to give my layman's interpretation. Okay. Right? But this is not legal advice. Massive disclaimers on this. But essentially, an agent can't lie about anything that may have a direct result or potentially even an indirect result on the value of the property. Right, okay. Now, you would have a hard time proving that they didn't have another offer if they lied to you and said, yeah, we've got another offer, right? But that's where the ACCC, your trade uh, officers of uh, fair trade and all that sort of stuff, depending on what state you're in, you can report mm. and they may lodge an investigation. Yeah. Okay. Um, I reckon half of their their job is literally investigating agents just because the, the traditional process is so fraught with anxiety and frustration that people often feel that they've been oh. hard done by. Okay. She's just come back and said she's gone conditional. She's gone conditional. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So her <laughs> offer will be, be fantastic. So it's all happening live. It's really hard to prove, yeah. right, whether they had an offer or not. Yeah. But agents are not allowed to mislead yeah. any like, and, and deceive yeah. in any state in the country. But then there's a lot of people that are like, mm, there's a different teetering on that very fine line that some people do. And but you you've have got to, to be you've able got to trust your gut, and and so there is that level of bioware. Like Queensland are rewriting their disclosure laws at the moment. Like the Property Act twenty twenty three has actually been, uh, it, I don't think it has come into effect yet, but it it's been approved yeah. to to come into effect. So there's there's the um, what do they call it? It's the date that it gets risen into law. Um, it's not an escalation date. It's actually it sounds almost angelic, but anyway, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Move on. Um, so just be aware, about. right? <laughs> But always ask the question, are there other offers? Because if yeah. you ask, is there other interest? Oh, yeah, there's heaps of interest. That heaps of interest could have been 1,500 clicks on realestate.com.au and no inquiries. But those clicks are technically interest, right? So always watch how you or ask Or you've the had questions. 10 people go through at the very beginning of the marketing and You're it's now, now six in weeks the f- in or eight weeks in and, and there's nothing. And right? it's crickets. Yeah. So be, be aware of, of that. Um, I realize we're, we're over time here and we have tangented a couple of times, but hopefully the tangents have been valuable for everyone. Uh, make sure that you seek legal advice mm. as to what clauses you should include in your offer. Yeah. The standard ones are things like finance clause, mm. and they're typically 14 to 21 days, depending on how long the banks are taking. Um, believe it or not, I have seen agents who have given good advice on how long to put your finance clause for. I wouldn't necessarily rely on the agent's advice. I would get your broker's advice on on that one. Yeah. Uh, they'll they'll give you an idea. But agents typically have a fairly good understanding of how long it's taking banks to process applications. Um, 
building in pest, always building in pest. Yeah. Always building in pest. Yeah. Uh, if you were in a state without a, a dis- without disclosure laws, yeah. Uh, I would be doing things like um, floodplain searches, council searches, title searches as well to make sure the seller did actually own the property and have the right. I'd be looking at title searches as well. One of the biggest things uh, that I'd be looking at title searches for is for things like covenants. Yes. Right? Anything that puts a restriction on the title of that property or, for example, uh, you know, means that maybe it's earmarked for a roadway or something like that and you may lose yeah, part so of that land. Zoning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, my, my ex-father-in-law, his property, uh, they redid a whole lot of mapping and planning and I ended up having to sell his property back when I was an agent. And a huge portion of it was earmarked to be reclaimed for the expansion of the Pacific Motorway. Yeah. Right? And that was after they rezoned, redesigned and, and everything like that. In the end, the government was forced to buy the property off him at market value because he couldn't sell it and I yep. couldn't sell it for him because everybody loved the property and they were quite happy to pay his asking they price right up until they learned, hey, you're going to lose like this huge chunk of your backyard and yeah. it's going to cut straight through the pool and everything like that because they're putting a giant ass highway there. Yeah. So do you searches like that. Um, in a number of states, they have seller disclosure laws now. So often you that'll be given to you up front before you even make the offer. Yeah. But this is why, you know, right at the top of this podcast, we talked about understand disclosure laws, understand cooling off periods and that in your state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And look, state governments are trying to equal the playing field, level the playing field, and they are doing work to try and improve that. Uh, but that's one I would I'd include. Oh, the other thing from the moment, in fact, talk to your bank and your broker about this as to whether you do it from the moment the property becomes unconditional or from the moment the offer's accepted, right? Because they're, they're going to be significantly more qualified than what I am, but get insurance on the property. Oh, yeah, freaking yes. Get insurance on the property that kicks in before settlement, either from unconditional or from uh, from the moment the offer's accepted. Yeah. Um, speak to an insurance broker, speak to your uh, finance broker, speak to the agent and ask as to which it is, at what point are you responsible for the property yeah. moving forward? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And have and have insurance, um, you know, definitely building insurance that we, we've heard some interesting stories, particularly with the storms on the Gold Coast. In fact, I think it was in the press, there was a famous person who yeah. had just bought a property and then the storm just, like, they were they unconditional could, and the storm went whoom, and yeah. did a whole heap of damage, but they had insurance, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, so make sure you're getting that insurance at the exact moment you need it. And, and I, I tell you now in every single state, doesn't matter what state you're in, the moment you need it is before settlement. Yeah. There is a, a, a spot to get it that's ideal. Talk talk to your experts in that area. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, be be mentally prepared. Yeah. Be mentally prepared uh, like and, and go, be go pragmatic. Go into it, be excited about the fact that you're on this new journey. Yeah. But don't... Like, I know that it's really hard to walk into a place and just be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, I could totally see living here. But then missing out and then you're absolutely gutted and go into it where it's like, you know what? It would be awesome if I did get this house. Yep. But it's not the end of the world. There's yep. more out there. And and that's it's so vitally important, right? And, and the stat I was going to bring up earlier that will sound incredibly misogynistic, and I promise that it is a real stat. It's not um, it's it's not me being misogynistic. It's just... It's so important to remain emotionless. Yes, darling, that's broken. Oh. Um, so it's just become a fidget toy. I don't uh, know what this is. But the majority of decision makers in property purchasing decisions are female. Oh, they're, yeah. They're the ones who make the decision. And 
No one's shocked by this revelation. No one's shocked by this revelation. And often it is made on emotion. And that's why we're saying avoid the emotion Mm. as best as you possibly can. Remain pragmatic. Be willing to that walk away. Doesn't mean that men don't get excited. About oh, they do. Things. They do. No, and and it's that's just, it. It's just it's just that when it comes to stats and all the rest of it, that with what what information has been gathered is that women tend to make those types of absolutely. And, and look, every decisions. every husband has an anecdotal story that I didn't want this house, but the wife did. Well, you know, like like, we, we like know. they do say in we, the big, like big fat Greek wedding, he is the head of the family, but I am the neck, and I can move exactly. the head in any right? direction. We, we, we know exactly where we stand, but the, <laughs> often a house purchasing decision is made on emotion. Yeah. Be pragmatic about it, right? Be willing to walk away if you've got other options. Create other options so that you don't feel compelled to play into the negotiation mm. games that happen. Obviously, in a hot market where we have a housing crisis and everyone's competing, look, decide how badly you want the property the and then compete for it up you, to that limit. If you are buying with a, a partner, have, know your strengths and your weaknesses. Like, mm. if you're the more emotional one, but your, other, but your partner is more of a, you know, like a pragmatic thinker, where it's like, hold on, these are the things we need to talk about. This is my angle. That's your angle. This is what we've got to yeah. So decide that, decide your so roles that you in that know, negotiation too. Play good exactly, cop, bad cop. You know exactly. And if you're a single person investing in a property, have a friend who can be that pragmatic mm-hmm. thinker for you. Yep. So if there's someone that you um you know you look at being a wiser person in within this type of thing where they've done it a few times where you're like, this is how I'm feeling. This is like, I'm really excited about. And they're like, hold on, what about this? So have that. And the other way around too, the pragmatic thinker, sometimes you need to have emotion yeah. as well. Yeah. So, you know, know your weaknesses, know your strengths when you go into the negotiations as well. Which take is also take every advantage that you possibly can. Do um, your research. Do your research. Look, Hopefully you got something. Information out of this. is is power. Um, and and look, everyone's always scared of overpaying. Mm. Keep in mind too, in some markets, in order to get a roof over your head, you don't That's have a choice. Looking, it's just yeah. going to be it's going to be competition. The market is always going to determine the value through competition. That is yeah. the world we live in. Um, but so set your limits. Know what you're willing to pay. Yeah. Know what you can afford to pay, and make sure that you know you decide. Have a preset limit. Go. You know what? I'm happy to get this house if we get it for X. Yeah. I'm happy to miss out on this house and continue living in in whatever situation we've got going uh, if it goes past that point. Yeah. Right. And have that said in your mind because that allows you to avoid or to be pragmatic Mm. and make pragmatic. You might get to that limit and you might go, you know what? I'm willing to go a little bit further. Yeah. But I'm not, you know, and you can adjust on the fly, but go in being pragmatic because a good real estate agent will know how to work you. Well, that's their job. Right? Don't hate the player. Hate the game. That is the game. And keep in mind, too, the real estate agent who knows how to get every last cent out of you and engage that emotion and, and that. That's the one that you they're want the one to be working want, for you. You want them working for you when it comes time for you to sell, right? Exactly. This is the game. It's just you're on the the other side of it yep. right now, but there will come a time where you're on the side where you want that agent working for you. They're not doing anything wrong. They're doing their job, yep. and, and that is fine. It is the game. And I get that there are going to be people who turn around and go, housing shouldn't be a game, JH. 100% agree with you. 
We've got a story that we'll tell you in the next episode about that we're going through getting it, housing. Tis, I agree with tis. you, <laughs> but this is what it is. You know, coulda, shoulda, woulda doesn't matter here. It is what it is. So play the game yeah. because the game is what it is. Understand it, learn it, play it. Yeah, exactly. So on that note, we're going to have to um, you know, wrap it up. Hope you guys did learn something today. Hopefully or if, it was if you have any other things that you would like us to go over, yeah, we'd we'll love add to some hear tips. from you. I think everyone, everyone's got experience buying and selling real estate, yeah. um, you know, or has their own stories. Add your tips in the comments. Um, make sure you like and subscribe if, if you're enjoying, you know, our time on the podcast. Uh, but, you know, add your own. Maybe maybe we can put together uh, the best tips from our listeners yeah. and, and do an app on that and, and discuss those. It'd be a bit of fun. Yeah. All right. And cool. on that note, peace, peace out. Peace out, homies.